Welcome to Every Nation Rainsix online service. My name is Carol Gosman and my husband and I are senior pastors of this powerful, loving and God-fearing church where we see lives, communities and societies transformed through discipleship in the word and the presence and the power of God. Today, we are starting a new sermon series called Rebuild. We are trusting God for a transformation of our environment. As you know today, when we look at our society and after COVID has kind of kind of ravaged our environment, it's very clear that there's going to need to be some rebuilding going forward. What we don't often understand is that God has been asking the church to rebuild the world for its entire existence. He's been calling out to the church to do this. From the time that mankind rebelled against God, there has been a need to rebuild the world. The world has fallen away from God's perfect ideal. And God is calling the church on a mission to bring all of creation, all of society, all of our families, all of the spheres of society back to the way he intended it to be. So Lord, I pray that as we focus on your word today, that you would, you would come and reveal yourself to us. You would do something in our hearts that would empower us, that would help us to grow, that would cause us to understand your ways better. Lord God, and that would make us more effective at the assignment that you have given us. Picture with me. It's a crowded synagogue. The first century Palestine, you're crowded in. They're the smells of a village people anticipating something wonderful. The rabbi gets up, he reads the first reading, which is the law, and then he gives a small sermon and you are sitting there and now you know it's time for the second reading, which comes from the prophets. And the rabbi turns to Jesus, hands him the scroll of Isaiah and Jesus stands up to read. Now, in context, you must remember Jesus came from your town. He came from your little village and you are hearing reports of how in the villages around about there, he's been doing miracles. He's been preaching a strange new message. And you're thinking, but this is Mary and Joseph's son. Where does this all come from? What's going on? Who is he actually? And he stands up to read, opens the scroll of Isaiah and starts reading at Isaiah 61. He starts, the spirit of the sovereign Lord or the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls up the scroll and he hands it back to the rabbi and sits down. And you are flabbergasted. You are flabbergasted in a number of ways because just before he sat down, he turned to the people and he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today. And you're thinking, is he saying that he's the Messiah? But this is, this is Mary's boy. We grew up with him. We know him. What do you mean him saying I'm the Messiah? Because they knew that Isaiah 61 was a, a scripture foreshadowing the anointed one, the Messiah that would come, that the spirit would rest on this Messiah in a way that was different from the way the spirit rested on the prophets of old, that he would, he would have continuous access to the presence of God and he would be anointed continuously, not just in spor sporadic moments as the prophets were. In addition, you are flabbergasted because Jesus 
when he was doing the second reading in the synagogue, there was a very set order. You always read at least three verses. And Jesus had started on this popular, well-known scripture about the Messiah and his mission on earth. And he'd stopped in the middle of a sentence in verse two. He'd read one verse all the way through and then he'd stopped in the middle of the second verse. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, what is he saying? He's, he said that the Messiah would come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the beginning of verse 2. And then he was supposed to go on and say, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. But he'd stopped. He didn't mention the vengeance of God. And here you are, a Jewish people in a conquered nation, living in subjugation to the Romans. And you knew that when the Messiah come, came, he would do two things. He would bring the comfort and the restoration. He would bring the Lord's favor to God's people. But he would also bring the vengeance of God. That God would ride into the, the area, so to speak, and just destroy his enemies and set up his kingdom. And here you are hearing him proclaiming himself as the Messiah and saying, in addition, that I've come to give favor, but I'm not doing the vengeance part. You're sitting there, your mind is reeling. What on earth is happening? What the Jewish people of that time didn't realize is that yes, the Messiah would do those two things. He would bring the favor of the Lord. He would proclaim the year of God's favor, the Jubilee where all death was canceled, where people were restored, where everything came back to the perfect working order of God. And he would bring the vengeance of God on all evil, destroying evil. But what you did not know is that the Messiah would do this in two parts. He would come twice. He would come once with the favor of God and he would come a second time with the vengeance of God. There was a gap between his first and his second coming and you were sitting there and you had thought he would do it all at once, but now he's saying he's only going to do half of it. What? were we? What was the world? What was supposed to happen between his first coming and his second coming? Jesus just stops there with the favor of the Lord. But if we continue to read the scripture, you will see that God was very clear that, that when this favor of the Lord came, that there was a process that would happen before the vengeance of God came, before the Messiah would stand on the earth a second time and destroy forever all evil. If we read on in that scripture, it says from verse 3 that this Messiah would grant to those who mourn in Zion and give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And now listen verse 4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. What many Christians don't realize is how God has done this time and time again through history. 1994 in South Africa. So many people don't realize how close South Africa came to war, to civil bloodshed. If you've ever read the story of Michael Cassidy and how he mobilized the church in South Africa to pray. 
I was there. We prayed, we prayed. God came down, God did a miracle. But behind the scenes, there was meeting after meeting arranged by the church to bring the feuding political alliances, the feuding political parties and strongholds, so to speak, of the nation together in secret talks. And at the very last hour, bloodshed was averted. Why? Because the Christians stood up and did two things. They prayed, they let their voice be heard, and they stood in the gap. And they said, this nation will be a nation under God. And I am promising you, as we rise up and do this again in these times of calamity, God will do the same. That as we rise up and say this nation will be a nation under God, God will come in answer to our prayers. God will come in answer to our interventions. He will bring about justice. He will bring about reconciliation. He will bring about prosperity and economic growth because he's a God who's faithful. The Messiah came in Jesus Christ, bringing the favor of the Lord, God's restitution, God's restoration, God's reconciliation, his favor surrounding his people, his love and goodness surrounding his people, his righteousness and truth given to us as a gift. And then we were meant to be redeemed, our, our wounds healed, our hearts changed, and together with God, we would join him in his mission to build the ancient ruins, to raise up the former devastations, to repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And then Jesus would come again as the conquering Messiah and destroy forever the evil in the world. But in the meantime, his call remains on the church to rebuild. What do we rebuild to? You know, you can't rebuild something that you never saw in the first place. And I want to propose to you that, that what God is building is something so much more that we've, than we've ever seen in the earth today. That God's plan for the earth is an earth where justice reigns, where truth is, is paramount in our relationships, where love flows from person to person, where industry is designed not only to create finances, but to bless nations where families are whole, where relationships are sound, where our justice systems work, where our education is excellent and exalts the name of Jesus Christ. And in essence, what has been happening here is in the scripture is Jesus saying, I've come to bring the favor of the Lord so that you, me, together, we can go and rebuild the world to this picture that I have, not to your picture, but the picture that I have of what the world could be, what I originally meant it to be. And as we're talking about the series on rebuilding, I want you to catch that in your heart. I want to see that you are part of something so much bigger than yourself. Many of you have had dreams growing up of, of what you're meant to do and maybe your career and how your life would end up. I feel like God wants to come and infuse those dreams with his dreams. I feel like he wants to come and give you a picture, a giant picture of the majesty and the glory and the loveliness of what he wants to do on this earth today. And I feel like he wants to partner with you in rebuilding this world, not to something that man's envisage, but to an ideal that he is putting in our hearts, a picture of a world transformed by his love, a world infused with his truth. Please journey with me as we look at that. 
what's interesting is that Jesus gave a description of how this world, how this interim period would be between his first coming and his second coming. That's now. That's what I'm talking about now. The Bible calls it the last days. It's the time from when Jesus rose again to the time that he will come again. And in this time, the church is on mission. The church is on mission to bring God's kingdom, to bring his truth, to bring his will and ways into everything. And Jesus gave us an idea of what this interim period would, would entail. He spoke six parables and in these parables, there's a master who comes, he gives instructions to the servants, then he leaves and then he comes back. And all six of these parables give us a clue about what we are supposed to do and what this time that we live in now is all about. Matthew 13 tells us a parable that evil will grow up in our midst, the wheat and the tares, that, that around us there will be evil, but we will mature into something more beautiful than the evil around us, and eventually God will come and destroy the evil. And that we, we, should, we should grow well amongst the evil around us and outshine it with the glory of God in our hearts. Matthew 18 tells us that during this time we will have need to forgive time and time again, but we we can forgive because we have been forgiven. Matthew 20 tells us that everyone in this time will be rewarded equally for their labor. It's possible to think that someone is doing so much more than me, they're going to get so much more rewarded, but God is looking for faithfulness. He's looking for you to do what he's asked you to do. And he says very clearly that all of us will be rewarded together in the same amount, with his, his love and his blessings, his, his power, his, his presence with us. Just I, I don't even know all where that we're going to be rewarded with because it's so much beyond our imagination. Matthew 21 tells us, he tells us in a parable there that we will all be held accountable for what we have done with the gifts he has given us. In other words, he's given us He's given us capacity and ability. And when he comes back, he's going to say, what did you do with that? Matthew 24, from verse 45 to 51, says that this period between his first and his second is coming, this rebuilding phase when we are to rebuild the ancient ruins, when we are to raise up the former devastations. This period is going to take longer than we thought it would. And he says, that we are not to grow despondent in that time and we are not to neglect the tasks he's given us in that time because he will come again. And last of all, Matthew 25, the, a similar parable is told in Luke 19. In Matthew, he uses talents as something that the servants are given. In Luke, he uses miners, which are just different forms of currency of that time. But he, he talks about how, how we, we have been given and entrusted this gift and that while he goes, our assignment is to build his business or build his kingdom. Interestingly enough, Luke 19 verse 13 uses these words. Jesus saying to the servants in the parable what they are supposed to do while he's gone. It says, do business until I come. In case you're in business and you're wondering, you know, is business somehow a less of a call to being in ministry? No, no. Teaching's not a less of a call. Business is not a less of a call. Being a parent is not a less of a call. All of this together is meant to build God's kingdom here on earth. And Jesus has left us with this command, do business until I come. In other words, grow my business, grow my, the knowledge of me, allow my values to be seen in your life. 
Be excellent in what you're doing that my glory might be seen through you. Allow my will and way to come into society. Organize things such that my truth, my glory is known. I want to make two points in closing that I think are very important. Everyone wants to know their assignment. Everyone wants to know what God's called them to be. But when we, we look at the scripture that Jesus proclaimed, he started to proclaim it in the, in the synagogues. You can go and read his proclamation that I, I began the sermon with in Luke 4, 18 and 19. But when he was talking about it and referring to Isaiah 61, we can see from Isaiah 61 in the context there that our life's assignment is determined by the vision God has given you for your community. What do I mean by that? I mean that you can't build something that you have not seen. And when God comes to give us our assignment, he gives it by speaking deep in our heart part of his dream to us. This might surprise you, but God's assignment is not found in self-preservation. It's not about giving your, sorry, it's about giving your life, not saving it. You can leave the saving to him. Spending time just securing your own interests will never lead you to God's assignment. God's assignment for you is not found in selfish ambition. Climbing the corporate ladder or having that as your primary ambition is never going to lead you to God's assignment for you. God's assignment for you is not found in the cultural ideas of the entertainment industry. The Kardashian lifestyle is not the same as God's assignment for you, believe it or not. God's assignment for you is found as you see your part in fulfilling his great vision to redeem all the world. Second point I want to make, God's favor surrounds you to the degree that you are engaged in his assignment for you. Jesus proclaimed, I have come to bring the year of the Lord's favor. God's favor, what does that mean? It means that even your enemies turn around and bless you. It means that circumstances conform in ways that, that allow the mission that you are carrying to be accomplished. God's favor surrounds you. Everyone wants his favor, but his favor surrounds you to the degree that you are engaged in his assignment for you. To live in God's favor must be one of the cries of every human heart. And God is, God is longing to pour out more and more favor on, on us. Jesus said this, he said, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. When he said that, he almost invited us into the same place as he declared about himself. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. In so many ways, Jesus is inviting us into his assignment. And in that place, we will be healed personally and we will rebuild the ancient ruins. We will walk into our society and, and, and remove the pain and heartache that is around us. We will we'll establish new ways of doing business that will bring glory to God. I just today, not today, but a couple of days ago, was hearing about a gentleman who decided to do business differently. And instead of paying the most cutthroat price for property, he asked himself this question, what is the fair price for this property? 
And then he went and paid the fair and good price for that property, which was more than the person was asking. He knew that that person didn't know the value of his property. What was he doing? He was saying, I'm not looking after myself at the expense of others. I am doing God's business. I am walking in the ways of the kingdom. I am, I am doing God's will, God's way. So in conclusion, Jesus, the Messiah, came to bring his favor so that we would have capacity to rebuild the world in a way that would bring blessing to nations, that would be bring blessing to our homes, that would bring blessing to one another. And his call on you right now is, will you accept the assignment that I have for you? There are some of you here right now that you, you have been thinking about changing careers and you're asking God, what should I be doing? I'm hearing him saying, Listen to the dream that is building in your heart, for that is my vision and my assignment for you. There are some of you here that as I'm speaking, you've realized that what you have been engaged with has, has actually been about you and your selfish ambition. And, and God is asking you to transfer the fervor and the zeal of your life from your own ambition to God's ambition. There's some of you here that you realize you just don't know where you've been going. You've just been aimlessly walking through life. And, and God wants to call you and say, no, I've chosen you and I've given you an assignment and I, I have called you to something great. Don't waste your life on frivolous exploits. Come and follow me and, and do business until I come. This series that we're going to continue is going to delve a bit deeper every time about how to find God's assignment and how to live in God's assignment for you. Whether you're a teacher, or a lawyer, a mom, a dad, a preacher, a student, God wants to bring the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord to rest upon you and anoint you with His favor to rebuild the ancient ruins, to establish His will and way, to bring about His kingdom in your environment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray for everyone who is watching this. Lord God, I ask that you would you would excite them with what excites you. Lord God, even though we're in this COVID-19 season, let us not get stuck. Let us not get stuck in just the immediate. Lord God, let us see the big picture. This won't last forever. Lord God, prepare us to be the ones who will rebuild the ancient ruins, who will make a difference in this world. Lord God, prepare us to be the ones that favor follows, that unusual miracles follow, that as we engage on your, in your assignment, Lord God, that you, you come in with your power and your, your ability to undergird our efforts. Lord God, I ask that you would reiterate in our hearts what you've called us to. And Lord God, you would give us conviction and help us to walk in that. In addition, if you are here and Maybe it's your first time with us or you've been with us a long time and you know that your life is not right with God. I want to pray with you. So can we just pray this together? Lord Jesus, I ask, Lord God, that you would come and save me. Lord, I, I realize that I have been living far from your purposes and far from your ways, Lord God. And Lord God, I want to ask that you would come into my life and you would take over. Lord, I surrender to you and I ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Give me my assignment and fill me with your presence. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love you to fill in or follow that link that is coming up on your screen in the, in the chat 
box or somewhere underneath this picture, you will see a link that you can follow. Please, could you follow that and give us your name and details so that we can get with you and help you with your next step and encourage you and strengthen you on your walk with God. God bless you. God is with you. There are great things ahead this week. Amen.